this is Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and welcome back to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. Last week, we talked about birth control, all of the options, everything and anything that we do to keep from getting pregnant. And you know, that is why I describe it like that, because people hear birth control and contraception and they just think, oh, it's definitely like the pill or a device. But I mean, we do lots of things to keep from getting pregnant. So it was really important to me to talk about things like the pullout method and what the effectiveness was of the pullout method so that when we're making decisions about how to manage our activities, that we're really well-informed, right? Because If you're okay with getting pregnant, it's not a big deal, you'd rather not be, but you can handle it if it comes, then using something with a failure rate that is maybe a little higher is probably okay for you versus if you're someone who does not want to be pregnant, not right now, not tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera, then we really want to use something for you that is going to have a very, very low typical use failure rate Um, something like an IUD or implant or something like that, or sterilization. So anywho, I hope that you found that really helpful. And uh, certainly it's a great review. I hope you checked out the websites and found those to be helpful for uh, CDC and Planned Parenthood. But there are just so many options. So that was really my point, was just to kind of hit hit home on the fact that there's something available for you, whatever that method is that you prefer. So... This week, I want to do something a little different. Every time I come and decide on a topic, I sit and I really do research to make sure that I am presenting you with the most up-to-date evidence, the resources, everything that you will need to be well-informed because that's really just what I want. I want you to be informed so you can make decisions that you feel good about, that you feel comfortable with. But sometimes I just feel uh, compelled to write about things or speak about things that are just on my mind or on my heart. So this week I'm kind of going off script and I'm doing a little bit of that. This isn't specifically OB. It's not specifically GYN. It is not specifically a lifestyle focused podcast. It is, I mean, I guess it is and that it's my lifestyle, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about me and how I came to be an OBGYN and what has brought me to this moment in time where I am on this podcast having a conversation with you. So today you're really just gonna listen to me talk. I hope that's okay. And I hope that it's interesting for you and that you're able to take something from it. And I'll try to debrief with you at the end. But this week I'm talking about my OBGYN origin story, what it took for me to get here, and why I walked away. Medicine isn't the kind of career that you fall into. I'm sure you didn't think that it was, but it's just something that I have to reiterate. You know, or at least have an inkling that you might want to do it, and then you work for it for years. I decided I wanted to become a doctor when I was in high school. I think, you know, lots of other people, maybe they know when they're in elementary school or middle school, but I decided when I was in high school. 
My parents were the first in their generation to attend college. And as an educator and an officer in the army, they encouraged my sister and I to do the same. And I was excited about college. I had grown up watching the Cosby show and a different world and hearing my parents talk about how awesome their experience was um, in their undergrad. And that's also where they met and fell in love and decided to get married shortly after. So I just knew that that was going to happen. I was going to have an experience. It was going to be like Hillman from a different world. I was going to join a sorority and I was going to meet my husband and fall in love. It was great. And you know, I was going to get a great education too, and then become a doctor. (laughs) So I worked hard in high school to achieve the highest grades become captain of the dance team, and still have time to hang out with my friends. And I loved it. I loved high school. I had such a great time. My senior year, I worked uh, part-time at the mall. Shout out to Potomac Mills. Everybody worked there. And I auditioned and became a member of and eventual co-host for a national TV show. And that was an amazing experience. I got to be on a panel. We talked about issues that affected adolescents. I got to share my voice. And that was just a time where I really realized how much I loved public speaking and TV, radio, media. As a high achiever, it was expected that I would continue to do great things thereafter. And I knew I would. I decided that a career in veterinary medicine was my next step. Obvious choice, right? My path was set until the moment my mother, gotta love my mother, she asked me, can you put a dog to sleep? And I don't even know where that question came from. I don't remember anything else about that comment, but that was a career defining moment for me. Without much thought, I decided the answer was no. Like I didn't really even think about it. I just knew the answer was no and instantly switched to a career in medicine. And I wish I could be that decisive about like so many other things in my life as I was in that moment where I was 16 years old and was able to just make that about face so quickly. From that moment on, my answer to what are you going to do after high school became I'm going to be a doctor. And it was really a great answer because when people asked you, And you said, I'm going to be a doctor. They just kind of like said, oh, okay, and stepped away because they made lots of assumptions about what being a doctor was and made assumptions about who I was because I wanted to do that. And so it was nice for people to just ask, make positive assumptions about you, and then leave you alone. My mind was set And after obtaining an academic scholarship to my state university, I enrolled in pre-med and it was hard. I cannot emphasize how hard uh, that was for me. In addition to my loving father passing away unexpectedly just one month before my high school graduation, the transition to college was unlike anything I had ever experienced. The introductory classes were large and impersonal. The coursework was significantly more rigorous than what I had experienced before. And the student culture was vastly different than where I grew up. I mean, when I was in high school, I would get all my work done, on time, I remember I'd come home, turn on the, the TV, sit down, just have the TV on as background noise, get my work done. Then I'd go to work, work. If I had to study, you know, I was studying after work or at work. I mean, it just came really easy. And that was 
the complete different experience when I got to undergrad. And also I came from a high school that was really diverse. I had friends of all different races and ethnic backgrounds. And, you know, when I went to college, that was not the student culture. It was really kind of segregated and I wasn't used to that. So I felt overall very lonely and lost and I didn't know how or who to ask for help. Fortunately, with the help and continued guidance of God and good friends, I was able to graduate on time and maintain above a three-point grade point average. I put in the work to overcome my doubts and insecurities, and I had a lot. Sitting late on weekend nights and taking summer classes to stay afloat. Like I remember just being in the study hall in the library on a Saturday night, looking around with like the the 10 other people that were there. And when my medical school entrance exam scores weren't what I wanted, even after taking a prep course, I took them again. I took another prep course and I took them again. I did what I had to do. Believing that I wouldn't be admitted to medical school with my current transcripts and extracurricular activities, despite having participated in so many amazing things, you know, I look back, I'm like, man, that was awesome. I did a lot of stuff from participating in the play hair at my university to um, being an intern for an HIV prevention and awareness, AIDS awareness association and all the amazing projects I did with that. Despite doing all of that, I st- still felt like I wasn't a great candidate for medical school. And I made the difficult decision to take time off before heading to medical school to become a better candidate first. And to you, you might hear that and you're like, oh, everybody does a gap year, but no, everybody didn't do it then. And it was expected that you would go straight from undergraduate to medical school. People didn't really take time off unless they had some amazing experience. So I just felt like I needed more time to be better. Looking back, taking time off before medical school was the best decision I could have made. During my gap years, I worked at a children's hospital, gaining both clinical and educational expertise in the field. I developed lasting professional relationships and gained friendships that have continued to support my growth personally and professionally, even now. One of my really good friends, I met her through my roommate, and she also happened to live in the room right above mine in my apartment building in You know, even now we still speak once a week just to share what's going on in our lives and provide uh, encouragement and support. And that's just really awesome to develop those kinds of friendships. So I was really thankful to have that experience in my gap years, having that time off. Now, if you want to ask me what it's like to live in a room directly under your friend, that is a completely different conversation for a completely different podcast on another day. But, um, I'm really thankful for that. After two years as a young adult in the city, having the time of her life, I had the time of my life. I had such a great time. I enrolled in my number one choice for medical school. And I loved medical school. Can I repeat that? I loved medical school. Don't get me wrong. It was not easy. I studied and stressed just like I did as an undergraduate, but it was different. 
you know, I went to an undergrad in a small town where it wasn't very diverse. And, you know, the college was like the only thing that was there. But when I went to medical school, I went in the city. It was a different experience. It was urban. There were people from everywhere. It was just awesome. And I was sure of myself and more at peace. I had confidence and a perspective different from my peers that I constantly relied on to get me through difficult moments. No, this exam is not the end of the world, I think to myself. I have lived in the world, and the world does not begin or end with this moment. And then I would move on. I knew who I was and what I was capable of. Been there, done that, seen that. Those doubts and insecurities, they weren't plaguing me anymore. I didn't have that sense of not measuring up like I did when I went to undergraduate. Again, I developed amazing, lasting friendships, and my previous college experience had taught me how to seek the help I needed and develop academic relationships that were crucial to my success. One of my, I think probably my closest friend from medical school, you know, I met her at a uh, enrichment program prior to starting and we still speak almost every day. I mean, that's awesome, right? And when I was in school, I made sure that I knew the dean, that the dean knew who I was and knew my name. I made sure to know all the people who were going to be making decisions. I made sure to get on the admissions committee to help with admitting additional medical students. Like I got super involved because I needed to know who I needed on my side and who to talk to if I had any issues. So at medical school, I felt at home. By my second year of medical school, I decided on a career as an OBGYN. My desire to understand more about my own body made women's health topics the most interesting to me. I learned things about, you know, what I should have really expected from a menstrual cycle, from a period. What was it supposed to be like? And it was just amazing to learn all of those things about myself. And I just was super interested in women's health. I knew the lifestyle wouldn't be great, but did that really matter when you were doing what you loved? (laughs) Yes, that is foreshadowing, okay? We're going to come back to that. I became a member of Students Interested in OBGYN and later took over as a co-president with my good friend who I mentioned before. In addition, my love of health education and public speaking led me to pursue a Master of Public Health while I obtained my medical degree, resulting in a five-year MDMPH program. And I just knew I really wanted to do it all at the same time. I wanted to have my school experience and then be done with school when I when I graduated um, from both programs. I wanted to discuss public health issues on a larger scale, and this seemed like the best way to achieve that goal. I wanted to have a public health background so I could speak on TV, on the radio, on a podcast. You know, I didn't really need to have it, but I just felt that that would be helpful. After a whirlwind of women's health activities, school exams, parties with friends, and interviews for residency, I obtained a position as an OBGYN resident to begin upon my completion of my fourth year of medical school. Now residency. Residency, that's our training to become the type of doctor that you want to be. Residency is interesting. 
will say. While it is a time of intense training and maintaining a brutal schedule, it is also a time of indoctrination. It is during this time that you really learn how to be a doctor. Yes, that means making sure that you are up to date in the latest research and healthcare practices and that your surgical skills are impeccable, that they are on point. Otherwise, you might get kicked out of the operating room. However, residency is also a time where you learn to sacrifice your needs over those of your patients. And you learn that lesson again and again and again. You learn to sacrifice your sleep, your need to eat and drink, and even your need to relieve yourself. Like, I can't tell you how many 12-hour days I completed as a resident not, you know, being on labor and delivery, but just like a clinic day. And I would think to myself, man, after I got home, like I only used the bathroom like one time when I was at work. So was I drinking anything? (laughs) Was I eating anything? Like what's going on there? You learn to sacrifice your relationships with your family, your loved ones, and your partner. I remember my grandmother died when I was in my chief year, my fourth year of medical school, and just the hassle of trying to figure out how to move my schedule around to be able to leave to go to the funeral, I didn't go. You delay childbearing and potentially unintentionally sacrifice your fertility. You begin to repeatedly deprioritize yourself and your needs, and you are too sleep deprived and overworked to resist the indoctrination. I mean, look, I did an OBGYN residency, and maybe it's different for somebody else from people who went into other subspecialties, but you know, this was my experience. When you reach the light at the end of the tunnel, The feeling of success and fulfillment after completion of such a strenuous program are so powerful that you feel energized to go out into the world and show everyone what you've learned. Upon completion of my four years of residency, I happily accepted a position with a local health uh, healthcare organization. As a matter of fact, I probably ran out of there. Um, and I know I had a couple months off before I started work and I was bored, you know, because I had been working these crazy hours nonstop all the time. I had not had this downtime. I had postponed going to the dentist for like six years. You know, I finally got that done. And so the transition from being a resident to what we call an attending, a physician practicing, um, I was just so happy to be able to do that. I loved being able to implement all my healthcare knowledge and extensive training to improve the outcomes for my patients. I mean, that's what I had done all of this for, you know, to make people better. For all of us who go into medicine, that is Usually you go into medicine, you just want to help people. You just want to make them better. And I was able to do that. And that was such an awesome thing to be able to do. Performing hundreds of cesarean sections and vaginal deliveries made me a caring and competent obstetrician. Being able to do an ultrasound and confirm someone's 
much longed for pregnancy and then follow them through that pregnancy and get them to labor and delivery and then follow them up after postpartum. I mean, that was awesome. Years developing and perfecting my GYN surgical skills made me an effective and competent gynecological surgeon. And, you know, I loved being able to sit down with the patient and explain to them the risks, the benefits, the alternatives, you know, going over all the options and just really making sure that they were making the decision that was right for them. I remember I would stop by the hospital on my way home from work anytime my patients were admitted, whether it was on labor and delivery or if it was a GYN surgery, just, you know, to check in and make sure they saw a familiar face and that they felt cared for. And I felt like an amazing physician. I was an amazing physician, the kind of physician I'd want to have. As the years passed, my personal commitments grew. And while difficult, I tried to continue to manage my life as a wife, new mother, and OBGYN, just as I always had, putting my job first. And that's not necessarily the best way to do it, but my job was the thing that started first, right? Like I was in residency as an OBGYN first. My job needed the most attention. It required the most time, at least in my mind it did. And it needed the most sacrifice. However, I became increasingly aware of the sacrifice. I knew that the odd hours I worked affected my ability to continue breastfeeding, a sacrifice affecting my child. It was, you know, trying to pump in all of these off hours in the clinic. You know, when you're on the office, they had scheduled time, which was great. But then when you're in the hospital, there is no scheduled time. And when you're working nights and, you know, you're just completely off schedule, like it was just incredibly difficult to try to keep pumping and maintain a breast milk supply for that. My night and weekend calls left me unable to participate participate in bedtime activities and attend family events, a sacrifice affecting my family. We'd have that conversation, my husband and I, and I'd say, hey, um, do you want me for Thanksgiving or do you want me for Christmas? You know, I know I'm not going to be able to be present for both. So which is more important to you this year? And then sometimes I'd work and he would go away for Christmas. And I was just really sacrificing this time with my family. After several pregnancy losses, I was ecstatic to find out I was pregnant again at the end of 2019. It was so awesome. We had, um, I was just about to leave for a trip to Paris for my husband's birthday. And I found out I was pregnant and it was really exciting. And we had really been trying and had really gone through a lot. And it was great news. However, when the pandemic started and I needed to continue seeing patients in my office and the hospital while 20 weeks pregnant with a pre-viable baby, meaning a baby that couldn't survive out of my womb, amidst fresh reports of an increased risk of preterm birth in COVID-infected pregnant women, the sacrifice became too great. I mean, at that time, we didn't know anything. You know, we we're trying to figure out, okay, is it, are pregnant women at a higher risk for infection like they are for other respiratory viruses like the flu? Are they less affected? Are they the same as everybody else? And we just didn't know anything. And I knew that every day I was going to work just hoping that 
things would be okay, that I wouldn't get sick and that my baby wouldn't be affected. And that just, that sacrifice just became too great. The difficulty of obtaining protections for myself and my unborn child made me realize that the sacrifice was no longer worth it. To sacrifice myself was one thing. I had taken an oath and I had been been doing so of my own volition. To sacrifice my unborn child was something I was not prepared to do. And the pandemic really was a reckoning for those of us in all healthcare roles. The media and our employers discussed our deployment as if we had become a militarized force overnight. Throughout the world, doctors and healthcare providers were doing what we learned to do best, putting our patients' needs before our own. And look, many times we were happy to do it because we want to help people. We have always wanted to help people. Some of us were selfless, knowing the danger that we were up against. Others just got caught up in the wave, showing up every day and doing the work we always had. Many, a World Health Organization estimated 80 to 180,000 between January 2020 to May 2021, many made the ultimate sacrifice. By the time I returned to work postpartum, the seed had already been planted. Although I loved providing care for my patients and tending to their needs throughout the years, I just, I couldn't unsee the sacrifice, you know? As I continued to ask for what I needed, and my requests were denied. I just knew it was time for a change. Unable to prioritize my needs and my family's needs, I made the difficult decision to resign, leaving behind the years of patient relationships I cultivated and become greatly invested in. And it really, you know, talking about it, I can't help but get teary-eyed because it makes me sad to think about just all of that, despite how necessary it was, because I love being a doctor and I loved being their doctor and I loved being their advocate. You know, I can tell you patients, the patient's name, their partner's names, their children's names. I, you know, patients who miscarried and then came back and they were pregnant or they were going through infertility and they were pregnant and then we delivered the babies or I helped them get pregnant and they had babies and I knew the children and just, you know, I could go on and on like that. I knew that your mother died and that you've been going through a hard time with it. Or for patients who shared, you know, people share things with you that they don't tell anybody. You know, you know their history of sexual assault that they're not going to share with anybody but you because they know it's important for the work that you do for them. So it was really hard to leave behind those relationships because I was really invested in them. Throughout my OBGYN origin story, the one thing that has never left me is my love of health education and public speaking. At the beginning of my career, I always wanted this to be a significant part of my life. And at one point I looked up and I saw that it wasn't any part of my life. Now that I've had the time to clear my mind and refocus, I've started to plan a path that includes these passions. I've started to prioritize. 
I've started the ladypartsdoctor.com blog and the Lady Parts Doctor podcast to continue the health education I've always enjoyed and empower you and everyone with Lady Parts to take ownership of your bodies through health literacy and knowledge. Because, you know, that is how we are going to just have better, better health care overall. That's a big part of it. I am finally at a place where I am ready to resume clinical work, although only on my own terms. Moving forward, I will always advocate for my family's needs and my own needs. I will do so unapologetically and with conviction. My only regret is that I didn't reach this place sooner. This is my OBGYN origin story. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope, you know, we, we all have our origin stories, how we got started, what we went through, what we accomplished, and how we came to this moment. And my story is constantly evolving. So I hope it just got you to think more about your own story, what you hope to accomplish, what you hope to do, and just to evaluate and look and see those things that you love, those things that you're passionate about, how you can bring those things back into your life. Please remember to subscribe to the blog, ladypartsdoctor.com, and you can listen to the podcast on blueberry.com. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. And you can also listen to the podcast by going to ladypartsdoctor.com and access it that way. All right. Have a great week. Take care. And of course, again, I love your feedback. You can always send me a message if you have a show topic or if you want to give feedback on this most recent podcast. All right. Until next week, take care. Mm -hmm.